how do you know who to follow? How do you know what characteristics you're looking for? How do you know uh, what kind of a person you should be following? How can you tell? Who are you looking to for an example on, on oh, this is what we should be doing. I, I want to model my behavior after them. We've been uh, spending two weeks talking about leadership. This will be our last week uh, in leadership before we move into the Psalms for summer. Um, but as we're talking about this, I, I want to look this morning at, at two things about a godly leader. Well, I want you to consider it from two perspectives. One, who am I following, right? As you're considering who to follow, what kind of a leader you're looking at following, I want you to think about this kind of leader, a godly leader. And then secondly, to think about it in terms of as you are leading, right? And I'm making that assumption that you are leading. I don't know who you're leading. I don't know how many people you're leading. And you may think, oh, I'm not leading anybody, but you are. You are. You are an example, and people are looking to you for what it means to be a Christian. And so you are a leader, and so I want you to think about what does it mean for you to be a godly leader. And to do that, this morning we're going to, to look at a story and a song from the book of Judges. Okay, so we're going to look at a story and a song from the book of Judges to consider uh, what does godly leadership look like? So you can turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 4. We're going to be looking at Judges chapters 4 and 5 this morning. And that's, we're going to start with the story in Judges chapter 4, and then we're going to move into the song in Judges chapter 5. Now, if you're familiar with the book of Judges, you know that there's a cycle in Judges. And the cycle works like this. And then everyone in Israel did what was right in their own eyes. Whatever they felt like, that's what they did. And they turned away to other gods. And then, as they turned away to other gods, God allowed them to become oppressed or taken over by somebody. Some battling army or something would come and would cause them problems. And so the people would repent of their sin and they would turn back to the Lord and cry out to the Lord, Lord, would you save us? And God would raise some Savior up for them. And so we see this cycle in the book of Judges where everyone would do what was right in their own eyes and they would have some evil leader and then they would, have, uh, they would cry out to the Lord and he would raise somebody up and we would have a godly leader and there would be blessing again in the land. And we see this pattern. So Judges chapter 4 now, we're going to pick this up in, and you're going to see this cycle in Judges chapter 4 starting in verse 1. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hatzor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Haroshet Hagoim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly. For 20 years. That's what's going on. The people were doing what was evil. The Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan. And Sisera, the commander of the army, was the one that uh, was ruling that area at that time for Jabin. He, he was the one that was in control of the land. And the, the people cried out because this guy had a powerful army. He had 900 chariots made of iron. 900 chariots made of iron. And the people were crying out, Oh Lord, Lord, forgive us and send help. Please release us from being under this oppression. They were crying out to the Lord. That's what it says in, in verse 3. The people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help because they had been cruelly treated for 20 years. Verse 4. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidot, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. At this time, as the people are crying out to the Lord, there was this woman, this woman who was sitting under this tree, 
not in the city, but sort of between two cities, out, out on the hillside. And they would come to her because they knew that this woman, this woman knew God. This woman had a reputation of being a prophetess. This woman would give you the answers that you were looking for. If you were looking to know, what does God think about this? What does God want in this situation? You would go to Deborah, and Deborah would help you to understand. In fact, as you look through the book of Judges, as, as God raises up various people to help his people, uh, he raises up various individuals to help his people in the Judges' cycles. Deborah is the only major character in the book of Judges who is uh, only portrayed as positive. Everybody else, it's like, well, God used them. Well, God used Gideon. Well, God used Samson. Well, God used these people, but I'm not really sure how I feel about them, right? When I was a kid and we did the Sunday school lessons, man, those people, they were the coolest ones. And then I got to be an adult and I was reading through Judges and I was going, really? That's the whole story? But you come to Deborah, and Deborah is just, she's this woman that's sitting out under this tree, and the people would come to her for judgment. That's what the, the judges would do. They, they would just sort of tell people, this is how it is. And the, the people recognized this woman is wise, this woman knows God, this woman speaks on God's behalf, and so they were coming to Deborah. Those who were looking for a godly leader were coming to Deborah. And one of the things, as they were coming to her, one of the things that they were asking for judgment about, one of the things that they were looking for, what does God think about this? What is God going to do about this? We just read about in verse 3, right? In verse 3, then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. So I can only imagine that as then they come up to, to Deborah, who's sitting under this palm tree, between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people come up to her for judgment. They're coming up to her and they're saying, Deborah, what are we going to do about Sisera? What does God say about Sisera? What does God say about Sisera? What are we going to do? And here's what Deborah says. Verse 6. She sent and she summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kedesh Naphtali. And she said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. And I will draw Sisera out, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon, and his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand." So as the people are coming to Deborah and they're saying, Deborah, what are we going to do here? How are we going to handle this? What are we going to do about Sisera? Please implore the Lord. What does the Lord say about Sisera? Then she says, Barak, come here. Come here. The Lord is going to give Sisera into your hand. Go take 10,000 people from Naphtali and Zebulun and bring them up to Mount Tabor and the Lord is going to bring Sisera to, to the Kishon Valley and the Kishon River and he's going to give him into your hand. That's what's going to happen. And of course, what Barak did then is he went, yes, let's go! Almost. Verse 8. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Here's this, this prophetess who is judging Israel and she says, Barak, I have heard from the Lord and he is going to give Sisera into your hand. And what does Barak say? I'm not going to go unless you go with me. And I've heard a lot of people talk about this negatively about Barak. And say, why did this army general need this woman to go with him? But I'm seeing something different here. I'm seeing the same thing that I saw in Moses. 
When the Lord said, Moses, go through the desert and into this new land that I am giving you. And Moses said, if you do not go with me, I will not go. Lord, don't let us go by ourselves. We don't want a promised land if you're not there. That's what I'm seeing here with Barak. He's going, Deborah, you hear from the Lord. And I don't want to go into this battle if I don't have the Lord with me. How about you? Are you willing to go into battle without the Lord with you? Are you willing to take a new job? Move to a new house? Enter a new role of ministry? Without asking for this. Lord, if you will not go, I don't want to go. There's a lot of humility in that. Lord, if you're not going to go with me, I don't want to go. There are a lot of things that I look at and I go, I, I would like to do that. I would like to go there. I would like to do, accomplish this. And sometimes it's my own pride. I want to do it. I want to accomplish it. And I need to remember to stop and do like this. And say, Lord, here's what I want. But if you will not go with me, don't let me go. Whatever it takes to keep me from doing this thing, if you're not going to go with me, don't let me go. I want to know that you are with me. I want to know that you are in this. I want to know that this is from your hand. And Barak says to Deborah, if you, will not, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Now here's a question for you. Do you think that Barak should stop and go, well, never mind then? Barak, if you go, I will go with you, and you will have victory from the Lord, but you won't get the glory. A woman is going to get the glory instead. Still worth it? Yeah, still worth it. That's fine. Let the woman get the glory. If we can defeat Sisera, if we can defeat the Lord's enemy, if we can defeat the enemy of God's people, so be it. Let's do it. Barak isn't going to get the glory on this. And that's going to be the confirmation that the Lord was in it. Isn't that wonderful? You want to make sure that the presence of the Lord goes with you? Here, I'll give you some confirmation. A woman is going to get the glory for the defeat of Sisera. That's how you will know that this is from the Lord. The other thing that's happening here, though, is Deborah is trusting God. Not only has she told Barak, hey, you trust the Lord because he's going to go with you and he's going to give you this victory, but she's saying, yeah, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I'm not concerned about going into battle because God has already said, we will have the victory here. Let's go. I'm happy to go with you. Godly leaders are happy to go along because they trust the Lord. They are happy to set the example and to encourage and exhort others to trust the Lord. We're looking at the army here that Israel has to muster, and they're going, you know, 
There's 900 chariots of iron out there. Well-trained soldiers. If we're just looking at our strength, that's not going to do it. But if we believe that the Lord is going to go with us, we can trust Him. And so here are these godly leaders that are trusting God and encouraging others. Come along with us. Trust the Lord with us. And so I want you to know that I consider this to be the, the defining characteristic of godly leadership. How should you know if you should follow somebody? Are they trusting the Lord and are they encouraging you to trust the Lord? And by the same token, if you are going to be a godly leader, you will have to trust the Lord and you will have to persuade others they also need to trust the Lord. You're going to lead by example, you're going to encourage, you're going to exhort. Yeah, we're going to trust the Lord in this. Then Deborah arose, and she went out with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And 10,000 men went up at his heels, and Deborah went with him. Now Heber the Kenite was separated from the Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and has, had pitched his tent as far away as the oak in Za'anan... That's a weird... Za'anananim. Close enough. Which is near Kadesh. Okay, that's a really weird aside. Because all of the narrative up to this point has Deborah and, and Barak talking and getting ready and mustering the army and they're going to go. And what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to go up to Mount Tabor so that Sisera will meet them in the Kishon Valley by the Kishon River. And that's what we know is going to happen, right? And so right in the middle of this narrative, right as the story is getting good, right? We, we, we have heard about the problem. We've heard about the plan, just as we're getting toward the climax and we know the tension is building because there's going to be this battle and so it's just like a great movie or a great story and everything's building. And then we just, you know, take this pause and go, now, there was this other guy, Heber. He was a Kenite and he was separated from the other Kenites and so then he was living way over here. Okay. So what? What? Why do we care about Heber? Why do we care about Heber the Kenite? He wasn't an Israelite. He, he, he wasn't um, under Jabin or Sisera. This is just some random guy that we're talking about and where his tent is. Let's get back to the action. Okay, verse 12. When Sisera was told that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera called out all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the men who were with him, from Haroshet Hagoim to the river Kishon. All of his army, he has called them. He's heard. What has he heard? He's heard that Barak is up on Mount Tabor. I've heard. He's up on Mount Tabor. Hey, everybody, get together. We're going to meet by the river Kishon. Well, you and I know that's not a very good idea. But he thinks it's a good idea. How do we know it's not a very good idea? Because this is exactly what God said would happen. That Barak was going to go up onto, the, onto Mount Tabor and that Sisera was going to be gathered up uh, by the river Kishon and he would be given into Barak's hands. And that's exactly how we see this playing out. That now Barak is up on Mount Tabor and Sisera calls his whole army, the whole thing, all 900 chariots, we're all going to go to one place, Kishon, the Kishon River, that is going to be our place for success. And verse 14, And Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? Barak, look! Look! 
Just like the Lord said, if you gather your troops up on Mount Tabor, I will bring Sisera and give him into your hand by the Kishon River. And look, here we are on Mount Tabor, and look down there at the Kishon River. The whole army is there. Go, man, go! Does not the Lord go out before you? May I encourage you that when you trust the Lord, when you are depending on Him, He will go out before you. This is why so much you don't want to go if He's not going to go. Because when I talk about it, I don't want to go unless you go with me, Lord. Are you, are you coming, Lord? Because I, I don't want to go over here. I don't want to do this ministry. I don't want to do this job. I don't want to live in this community unless you're coming with me, God. And what's happening instead? God is going, well, I'm, I'm with you. I'm already over here, Travis. Come on. I've already prepared the way. I've already gathered it all together, gotten all the resources, made it all possible. Are you joining me? Go. Go. And this is what Deborah says. For this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? Has not God fulfilled his promise that his presence would be with you? And so Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. And Barak pursued the chariots and the army of, uh, to Harosheth Hagoim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword, and not a man was left. Just like God said. Just like God said. I have given them into your hand. My presence is with you. When you trust me, I will show myself to be faithful. And so the entire army, all gathered in one place, all fell into the hands of Barak and he conquered all of them. Well, almost all of them. Only one person escaped. Sisera. Verse 17. But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazor and the house of Heber the Kenite. Oh! Heber! I remember that guy. He was the guy that had that, the tent pitched in that really weird name. That's why he was there. Why suddenly in the flow of the narrative, as all the, the tension was building, we had to be introduced to this random guy who wasn't a part of anything. But he had this pact with, with Jabin and with Sisera. So he was a safe house. Right? He wasn't really an, he wasn't an Israelite and he wasn't uh, under Jabin's rule, but, but they had a treaty. It was a safe place. And so Sisera runs away from all of the fighting and he finds himself at the tent of, J, of uh, Heber the Kenite. And Jael, Heber's wife, comes out to meet him. Turn aside to me, my Lord. Turn aside to me. Don't be afraid. So he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. She, she comes out, hey, you look hot and tired. You look scared. Come, you hide in my tent. Hide in my tent. We don't know where Heber is. No idea where Heber is. But Jael is here, and she sees Sisera running. She recognizes him. She comes out, oh, come, come, come on. You look afraid. It'll be fine. Come on in here. Go, go, lay, lay down here. Turn aside to me. Don't be afraid. So he turns aside to her and into the tent, and she covers him with a rug. And once, once he's under probably like a lambskin rug or something like that, once he's under, under there, now's the first time he talks to her. 
right? He's been running, he's out of breath. She comes out, she meets him, she invites him in, she puts him under that rug, and he's like, oh, thanks. Hey, can I get some water? He says to her, please, give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened up a skin of milk, and she gave him a drink, and she covered him. And he said to her, now stand at the opening of the tent, and if any man comes and asks you, is anyone here, you say, nope. There, there he is hiding, and he's, he's hiding, and he goes, okay, JL, what you do now is just like you were by the front of the tent before, and you saw me running, and you said, hey, come in here and hide. Now you stand out there in the same way, and if any guy comes, any man comes, and, see, and says, uh, have you seen Sisera, you tell him, no, no, you haven't seen Sisera. And here's what Jael does, verse 21. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand, and she went softly to him, and she drove the peg into his temple until it went into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. And so he died. If you haven't spent time reading the book of Judges, the stories in Judges, I mean, I, it makes me wish we were doing a whole series because the stories are just kind of fun to read. Here you have, here you have Jael. She invites him in. She tells him, oh yeah, don't be afraid. There's a pact, you know, between my husband and you. And so come on in here. I'm going to cover you up with a rug. He asks for water. What does she give him? How about some warm milk instead? Yeah, but we just, we'll let you have some warm milk. Dog, lay down, rest under this blanket. Nothing to be worried about. Bam! No more Sisera. Now, what Sisera had told her to do was go wait outside. And what was she supposed to tell any man she saw? No, he's not here. What does she do instead? Verse 22. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said, Come, I will show you the man whom you are seeking. That's the opposite of what she was supposed to be doing. And Barak, Barak sees her and he goes, yes, Sisera has been given into my hand. And he goes into the tent. Come and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. So he went into the, to her tent and there lay Sisera dead with a tent peg in his head. And in that moment, the word of the Lord was confirmed to Barak. How do you know that the Lord is with you? Because he has confirmed his word. He has shown himself to be faithful. And just as Deborah said, now you may have thought, when Deborah said, you're not going to get the glory, Barak, a woman's going to get the glory instead, you may have thought, oh, Deborah's going to get the glory because she's going to go with him. Nope, not Deborah either. She's not glory seeking here. She's just trusting the Lord. Who's going to get it? Some foreign woman that's not an Israelite, isn't a part of Jabin's uh, kingdom. She's just out on her own. And she does this. She's the one that's going to get the glory for killing Sisera. The entire rest of the army all falls into Barak's hands except this one. And it is confirmation for Barak that he can trust the Lord. Because the Lord is faithful. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the people. And the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. As it turns out, this was merely the beginning. Cicero was the one that they were concerned about. Ultimately, though, there was Jabin behind him, right? Jabin was the king. But the whole army being wiped out, the Lord delivered Sisera into their hand, 
And then now they press and press and press and get rid of Jabin also. Because on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the people of Israel. When we cry out to him, he is faithful to respond. And godly leaders will lead us to trust him, and he will show himself to be faithful. As we look now at, verse, at uh, chapter 5, what I want you to see is that godly leaders are going to lead us to trust God and to, to see Him show Himself to be faithful, and then they are going to lead us to praise God and worship Him. Because what we recognize, when you hear this story, do you think that it is because of uh, Barak that they defeated Sisera and Jabin? No. How about because of Deborah? No. Because of Jael? No. Because of the faithfulness of God. It is because of the faithfulness of God that God will get all of the glory. We'll hear the story again recapped in this song. But God's going to get all of the glory and all of the praise, and that's what a godly leader does. A godly leader will not tell you, oh, you were successful because of your hard work, because you did so well. A godly leader will not say, you, we were successful because I am such a great leader. The glory will always go to the Lord. We have been successful because we have depended on the Lord our God. We will praise Him for His faithfulness. And so I don't know if you remember the story as they went through the Red, as the Israelites went through the Red Sea and all of Egypt's uh, the Pharaoh's army was wiped out in the Red Sea and they get to the other side and what happens? They sing a song. Right? Miriam, the, the sister of Moses, leads the people and they sing a song about God's faithfulness, a brand new song just about that event. And now Deborah and Barak the son of Abinoam, on that day, sang. Chapter 5. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day, that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Because the leaders took the lead to follow God, to trust Him, and to lead the, other peop the, the, the people of Israel to trust the Lord, praise the Lord for that. That the people gave themselves willingly to the service of God in trust of Him, praise the Lord for that. Isn't that a wonderful way to start the song? Because godly leaders led toward God, let us praise the Lord. That is my desire for this church. My desire for this church is that we would praise the Lord because of His faithfulness. It is my desire for this church that I would lead you well, that the elders of this church would lead you well into praise. It is my opinion that the whole worship service is for that purpose. The reason that we read the words of God and that I try to make them make sense and apply them is so that we can respond in praise. That's why we're here. That's why we're here on Sunday mornings. So that we can read the words of the Lord and respond in praise. That the leaders took the lead in Israel. That the people offered themselves willingly Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Not the leaders, not the willingness of the people, though we want those things. No, bless the Lord. It is from the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes, to the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, who are the kings and princes they're referring to? Well, there's Jabin and there's other kings around. And what are they going to be hearing about this episode? That there is a God in Israel who is God of all gods. These kings, these princes don't want to hear this. They have their own gods. Every nation had their own God. 
And the victory in battles just demonstrated which gods were stronger than other gods. And what, what they are saying here is, in Israel is, we don't have a different God than you have. We have the God. There is only one God. And He is the God over all. Not just the God over us, but the God over all. That is why we have won this battle. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes, to the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you... <clears throat> When you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anoth, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned and the travelers kept to the byways. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. When new gods were chosen, when war was at the gates, was shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 in Israel? Giving praise to the Lord because knowing the power, the might of the Lord, the rain from heaven, the earth shaking because of the presence and the power of the Lord. And she's saying, but at this time, at this time, there wasn't any strength in Israel. There was no strength in Israel. Was there even a single shield or sword among 40,000 Israelites? Did anybody have any kind of a weapon to fight with? No. That was the context when I rose up as a mother in Israel. I love this picture of her as a mother in Israel. That godly leadership is like a mom. As I think about my own mom, I can remember uh, my teenage years. My mom was my counselor and my confidant. We went on long walks. And I would talk with her about what my hopes were, what my dreams were, what my plans were, the things I was struggling with. We would just talk. And she would listen. And she would offer godly counsel and advice. And she would turn me to trust the Lord. How will this honor God? How will you decide what you're going to do next? And this is the picture then that arises in my mind as Deborah rises up as a mother in Israel. You see, this is what, this is what godly leadership is. It's the nurturing care of the leader to guide people into trusting God. It's not leadership like Sisera. It's not ruling with an iron fist. But it is loving God's people into God's presence so that they might trust Him and praise Him. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. When new gods were chosen, when war was in the gates, was there a shield or a spear to be seen among 40,000 in Israel? My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless the Lord. This is the same thing we've already heard, right? It's a, it's a refrain that the leaders, this was verse 2, that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Now verse 9, the commanders of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people, bless the Lord. Oh, may the Lord raise up leaders in this church, that they will be willing to step out and lead. That they will be willing to stand among the people and walk among the people and lead them to trust and praise God. May God raise up leaders in this church that we might bless the Lord. Tell of it, you who ride on white donkeys, you who sit on rich carpets, you who walk by the way. The sound of musicians at the watering places. There they repeat the righteous triumphs of the Lord, the righteous triumphs of his villagers in Israel. Then down to the gates marched the people of Israel, uh, marched the people of the Lord. Awake, Deborah, awake! 
Awake, awake, break out in song. Arise, Barak. Lead away your captives, O son of Abinoam. The victory is ours. Stand up and praise the Lord. That in verse 11, I don't know if you caught this, to the sound of musicians at the watering places. There, they repeat the righteous triumphs of the Lord. This just tells me that, that life has not changed. Right At the watering places, that's where people would gather, that's where they'd be talking, that's where they would be uh, exchanging what has been happening, and they'd be talking about, oh yeah, you know what the Lord has done? Have you heard about Sisera? Oh yeah, that's pretty awesome. Barak and Deborah and Jael, and they're talking about that at the watering places, at the rivers, at the wells, the place where you gather water. This is the same, we still talk about it that way. We gathered at the water cooler. It's the same thing. Thousands of years later, we're still standing around with the drinks in our hand, and that's the place that we talk about things. That's the place that we recount what the Lord has done and the faithfulness of Him. And that's where they're, they're gathered and they're talking about this, and they're going, you know what? Deborah should really sing a song about this. This is, this is amazing. We, we, should, we need to talk about this. We need to praise Him. We need to break out in song. Then march down the remnant, this is verse 13, then march down the remnant of the nobles, the people of the Lord march down for me against the mighty. From Ephraim, their root, they march down into the valley, following you, Benjamin with your kinsmen. From Makur, march down the commanders, and from Zebulun, those who bear the lieutenant's staff. The princes of Issachar came with Deborah, and the Issachar faithful to Barak. Into the valley they rushed at his heels. Among the clans of Reuben, there, they, there were great searchings of the heart. Why did you sit among the sheepfolds to hear the whistling for the flocks? Among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan, and Dan, why did he stay with the ships? Asher sat still at the coast of the sea, staying by its landings. But Zebulun is the people who risked their lives in death. Naphtali, too, on the heights of the field. The kings came, they fought, then fought the kings of Canaan and at Ta'anak by the waters of Megiddo. They got no spoils of silver. From heaven the stars fought, from their courses they fought against Sisera. Let, let, me, let me just recap these last several verses, what's going on. They're highlighting all these different tribes and people who did not come down to the fight. Why did you stay home? Why were you busy with your businesses? Why were you busy at home? Why were you busy searching your heart? Why were you busy doing all these things and not coming out? When Zebulun and Naphtali did, they trusted the Lord. They stepped out in faith. They believed that the Lord was going to give the battle into their hands, and he did. Don't waste your time sitting around not doing anything when you should be stepping out and trusting the Lord. You're frittering your time away. Why are you busying yourself at home instead of stepping out for the Lord? Why are you busying yourself at work instead of stepping out for the Lord? And then you get down to verse 20. From heaven the stars fought. From their courses they fought against Sisera. The acknowledgement that Zebulun and Naphtali were the ones who were willing to step out, but it wasn't them who won the battle. The battle was won from heaven. The Lord is the one who provided the victory. They just were the ones that were there to see it. This is for us too. If we stay at home where it's safe and we twiddle our thumbs or bake good bread or whatever it is that we like to do with our time at home, we will miss out on the front row seats of what God is doing in the world. But if we believe and trust Him and we say, Lord, go out, that I might go out with you. Then we will see the, that from heaven the stars fought. From their courses they fought against Sisera. The torrent of Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent of Kishon. That river, right, where all of Sisera gathered his army. It's like they were all washed away in the current right there. 
Then loud beat the horse's hooves with the galloping, galloping of his steeds. I picture the sound of the horses as they're galloping, right, with these, of these 900 chariots of iron and the ruckus that that would make. And all of that is drowned out by this ancient river as they're all wiped away and delivered into the hands of Barak. Curse Meroz, says the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants thoroughly because they did not come to help They did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord Almighty against the mighty. Verse 24, most blessed of women is Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Of tent-dwelling women, she is most blessed. He asked for water and she gave him milk. She brought him curds in a noble's bowl. She sent her hand to the tent peg and her right hand to the workman's mallet. And she struck Sisera, she crushed his head, she, da- she shattered and pierced his temple. Between, his, between her feet he sank, he fell, he lay still. Between her feet he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell, dead. Taylor, I, I think we need some new songs. <laughs> <laughs> We just don't get lyrics like this anymore. (laughs) But it is an acknowledgement. Why is JL important? Because God used her. God did not use her because she was most blessed. She was most blessed among tent-dwelling women because God used her. She got the praise for that moment. Barak did not. But it was because of what the Lord had done. And this is the contrast. You get these contrasts. I wish I had a lot more time to go into all of this, but we don't. So I'm just going to do it quickly, okay? But you have a great contrast, and you should go back and read it later. This poetic uh, nature of this song, and this contrast between Jael and what's happening in her tent, and then what's happening uh, at home for Sisera's mom. Verse 28. Out of the window she peered, the mother of Sisera wailed through the lattice. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the hoofbeats of his chariots? Her wisest princesses answer. Indeed, she answers herself. Have they not found and divided the spoil? A womb or two for every man. Spoil of dyed materials for Sisera. Spoil of dyed materials embroidered. Two pieces of dyed work embroidered for the neck as spoil. What, what? She's at home, Sisera's mom is at home, and she's crying out from, from her house going, where is Sisera? Why is it taking so long? How come I can't hear the hoofbeats of those horses as they return? And then she answers herself, and the princesses answer with her, well, you know, they, they probably won. They're dividing the spoil. A, a womb or two for you know, the, they're dividing the, the spoils of war, and so each man has to have a woman, maybe two, before they can come back. Well, he had a woman or two, but it didn't go quite like Sisera's mom is expecting or hoping. Maybe they're dividing up the, the clothing and things. It's just taking them a long time to do all of these things before they come back. But you and I know what happened. He's been given into the hand of the Lord. Her worst fears are realized because Sisera has been defeated. Verse 31. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might and the land had rest. For 40 years. After 20 years of turmoil, they cried out to the Lord and he sent help, and they had rest for 40 years after watching his great victory. And godly leaders still are following God, trusting him, and leading others to trust God as well, and then praising him when he shows himself to be faithful. 
as elders, we love to pray for you. We love to get the prayer requests on the connection cards and, and online. We love to get those and pray for you. And then we love to hear the reports afterwards that we may praise with you, that we may give the glory to God for his faithfulness as he answers those prayer requests. We still are trusting the Lord and finding his victory. We see this in Ephesians chapter 2. You who were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now is at work in the sons of disobedience. We also were oppressed by a spiritual prince among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Because we, just like the people in Judges, have done what was right in our own eyes and needed godly leaders to lead us to trust God so that He might raise up a Savior, Jesus, to remove our sin, to save us from our sin and the afflictions and oppression of the devil. And then we share in His victory. He raises us to a new life. Raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. When we trust him, we are raised up with him and find our victory in him. And that is the blessing of following godly leadership, to trust God and to praise Him. Let's praise Him together now. Father, we pray that You would raise up leaders in this place, that we might bless You as people step out in faith among Your people, as they trust You to lead. Father, we want to praise you for that. And so we ask, Lord, would you show yourself to be faithful over and over again? Would you go out with us and lead us every time so that we may give you the praise and the glory? In Jesus' name, amen.